So we've been doing a, 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 a study on this passage from Second Peter, where Peter is talking about what it means to be fruitful and effective in knowing Christ, what it means to live him and our daily lives. And he, and, and he starts with, we come to him in faith and he ends with, we live him in love. And he has these eight steps that we've been going through, um, that take us to that place. He starts with faith, uh, in, hang on here, which, which is what? That's that personal certainty that all that God says and does is true. The way to all meaning and power in life is to take him at his word. That's where we begin. We take him at his word and, 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 and begins a walk that leads us to love in him. That takes us to the next step, which is virtue, moral excellence. This, this vigorous pursuit of what is morally right and helpful in all of our relationships. Our relationship with him, which then leads us to our relationships with one another. Pursuing that, taking that, taking that on, which leads us then to knowledge, which is what? See, trying to understand, trying to discern, Lord, what is your will each day? Not just knowing about God, but knowing him and allowing him to live through us. Uh, uh, kind of like that, that concept we, we've discussed of, a, of an athlete who has practiced so much. They know the sport. They don't know about just about the sport, but they know how to play the sport. And that's knowledge, which has brought us right into self-control. And that's where we've been talking about a, a few times and we'll... Uh, we'll kind of pull it all together in self-control this morning. What is self-control? The, the, the self-control is this. How many know that Jesus didn't just save us to go to heaven? He saved us to transform our lives. Our lives are called to be different in the world, different now, and, and transformation means continually different. I remember one author said this, that if I am the same as a believer as I was three months ago, I've not just stayed the same, I've actually gone backwards. Because there's no way you can continually be in the presence of God and not grow. There's no way you can continually come before him and not become more like him. So that was a question I began to ask myself. Am I the same? Am I the same? Because if I am, that means that, that I'm actually slipping, not growing. It's interesting, scholars have noted that on this list here, if you look where self-control and steadfastness are, they're right in the middle. They're right in the middle of this, of this uh, uh, um, hierarchy of us growing to be more and more like the Lord. And so there's something unique about this spot. And, and so what is it about? It's about learning the disciplines of the spiritual life that help us to escape the slavery of self-interest and fear. Let me say that again. It's about learning the disciplines of the Christian life that help us escape the slavery of self-interest in fear. How many know that self-interest and fear are slavery? Anybody ever been caught up awake all night worrying about something? Just anybody been in a place of just constant fear about what's going on in the world? And what's happening all around us? That is a place of slavery. That is a place of fear. And, and what the scriptures teach us is that when we develop the practice 
Just like an athlete practices his sport over and over. Just like anybody who becomes good at whatever they do does it over and over. As we practice the disciplines of the Christian life, what happens is grace works in our lives. It's not about us having some sense of duty, but it's about us learning to enjoy him. And then we overcome what? Fear. We overcome self-interest. So, there, we, we talked about last time, there's four essential purposes. There's four reasons for spiritual disciplines in our life. The very first one is this, the whole, it gives us a holistic view of the Christian life. And what does that do? It takes us out of our comfort zone. It's so easy for our Christian life to be our comfort zone. We get our Christian areas, and then there's the rest of our life. Like, I'm good with going to church. I'm good with maybe listening to Christian music. or I'm good with this area or that area. But those other areas, I'm not real comfortable there. They're not not who I am. Well, having a holistic view of our Christian life says all of my life belongs to Jesus. That's what we just talked about with worship, right? All of it. My mind, my soul, my imagination, what I do, where I am, all of it belongs to him. And so the holistic view, the spiritual disciplines call us out of that comfort zone to become more like Jesus. Number two, it gives us an eternal view of of the uh, uh, of our Christian life. And what does that mean? The eternal view breaks the hold of worldly intoxication. It is so easy for us to fall in love with our lives in this world. With our goals and our, and our visions and our missions for what we want to accomplish in this world and lose the perspective that we are here for his purposes. And so by practicing spiritual disciplines in our lives, that's what breaks that intoxication. That's what that inserts there and causes us to, to renew our thinking and realign our thinking, which takes us to the divine view of the Christian life. The divine view says this, because I can do the first two and leave this out. Jesus Christ is central and supreme. All of creation, Paul tells us in Colossians, he says everything, all of creation was not only created through him, it was created for him. That means your life, your life. And, and uh, it is. Okay, this is one of those moments. Like if you get this one thing. That would be that would be huge. One accomplishment. There is nothing accidental about your existence in this world. Nothing. You were created intentionally, purposely, intimately, exactingly. Though accidental things may happen around you, when you bring yourself into him, he makes good out of all of those things. He doesn't intend evil things to happen to us. We live in a world where evil happens all the time. But the fact that I am here intentionally means that God has an intentional purpose for you in this. You're not insignificant. And by practicing spiritual disciplines in your lives, it allows him to then work the fullness for which you were created to come out. If you don't, you're not actually allowing him to bring you to that fullness. And that's our choice. That's our choice. So that takes us to the last area. The last area is the joy view of Christian life. And this is huge. This has been something that's been a recent 
refreshing in my own soul. And that is, is that the Christian life is not meant to be a drudgery. It's not about a duty. It's about delight, delight in him. Now, does that mean we won't experience hard times and difficult times? No, but it's what do we do when we experience those things? You see, when I realize my life is holy, it's much more than the moment, the situation I'm in. When I realize that there are eternal purposes, when I realize that Christ is center, I realize that even through this hard moment, this hard thing, there is a point in which he is bringing me into delight in his presence. The psalmist said this, and we'll get to it later. He says, in his presence, in the presence of God, are pleasures forevermore, forevermore. I've, I've heard that scripture over and over and over again and let it go here because I've felt more to duty than I have to delight. Anybody else feel that way? All right, let me keep going. So there are four broad areas of spiritual disciplines. And so we don't, I mean, they're literally lists and lists. I have a list of like 23 titles of different types of spiritual disciplines. So there's all types. There's, uh, and look them up, t- go, go to uh, Dr. Google, right? And just put in spiritual disciplines. You'll see lists and lists of them to, to, to learn about what you can apply in your life. But I'm just going to give us four broad areas for discussion this morning. The first one is this is, um, and, and so to, to take as a kind of a text that talks about the four broad areas, it says, you shall love the Lord, your God, what with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That's all about what it's, it's like taking the different areas of our lives and offering it all to God, loving him with everything. All right. So the first area is intellectual areas. And an intellectual spiritual disciplines are primarily centered around the life of the mind. They're, they're, and so let me say this up front. Every one of us here, when I mention these four areas, every one of us here is going to resonate with one of them. There's going to be one of these four that's going to be our natural go-to. We're going to say, you know, my, I can see that I've focused my life with the Lord around that area. I tend to be more that way, okay? And we'll see that. And we'll, we'll, so as I'm mentioning these, what I want you to do, and this is, this is hugely important. As I'm mentioning these, I want you to say, is that the way that I, that's that the one I resonate with? Do I resonate with that one? Because we're actually going to find that this morning. It's going to be key to operating spiritual disciplines in your life. So the very first one is this, primarily centered on the life of the mind. To love, I want to love the Lord with all my mind. And, and so these, these will be those that are, that, uh, uh, get tremendous joy out of regular Bible study, or they like to get into theology or history or Christian apologetics, which is making a defense for the faith and looking, looking at the intellectual arguments. They're going to be those that would, would meticulously record or reflect about the Christian life. They, they may journal thoughts uh, from an intellectual perspective. Um, they're going to resonate with that command that we are called to love. I'm not supposed to check my mind at the door when I come into the church. I'm not supposed to check my check out when I check in. I'm called to think about these things and think well about these things. That's the intellectual level. Okay, so a couple of scriptures that go along with this. Paul writes this to Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. 
Rightly handed means you studied it. You know it. You're not ashamed. You're approved by God because you've dug into it. You know how it fits together. You know how to apply it to life. You know how uh, all of these things fit, not only in their context, but in life today. That's number one. Number two, Acts 17. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. These were the Jews in Berea. Paul was traveling around on his missionary trips. He comes to the town of Berea, and, it, and, and Luke tells us that these Jews in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why? They received the word with all eagerness. Why? Examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. They dug in. They studied these things. They said, okay, you're telling me this, Paul. Let me study it. Let me figure this out. They were, had the intellectual thing. They were lo- wanting to love the Lord with their mind. First uh, Peter 3:15. But in your hearts honor Christ as Lord as holy. And that's that's where all of this starts. All of the spiritual disciplines start with honoring Christ as Lord in your heart, no matter how you resonate. And he says this, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, that word defense, apologia, the Greek word, it means to have a reasoned offense. You've thought it through. You've thought both sides of the arguments. You've tested them out. You've heard what others had to say. You've examined it. You've thrown away what isn't true. You've embraced this sense of exercising the mind Peter's talking about here. To give a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. You see, it's not done aside from the other disciplines, but it's how some people are more wired to go this way. All are called to participate. Some are more wired to go this way. All right, that's the first one. The second one is emotional disciplines. And these are those that are primarily centered on the life of the heart, to love the Lord with all your heart. Those are those who seek out regular times of silence and and solitude, frequent times of prayer and worship uh, or fasting, much more meditative or devotional orientation toward their Bible. So, you know, I'm going to pick on my wife and I, you know, I'm opening up the Bible and I'm looking for how does this fit in the context? What's the history to it? How does this apply to these? She's opening it up. She's going, wow. Let's take a look at the scripture here. As a deer pants. For flowing streams, so my soul pants for you. And she's resonating in this devotional meditation on the scripture. I resonate with that. I like that. I lean more towards the other. Do I need both? Yes. She naturally resonates in this direction. You know, she, she, well, I learned this when we were first married. She had a hymnal and she would open up her hymnal and just walk around the house just singing these hymns and it would fill the house with this worship. It was awesome. You wouldn't have wanted me to do that. It was awesome. It just was a, it was a beauty to this, this, it was a spiritual discipline that was coming from a discipline of the heart. Uh, Psalm 40, 42, 7 and 8, deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. There's a being drawn to a deep intimacy and experiencing with the Lord. All of your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By day, the Lord commands his steadfast love at night. His song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Do you get the intimacy, the emotion in these types of spiritual disciplines? And some of us here are naturally drawn this way. We're less drawn to the intellectual. We're more drawn to the emotional. But there's others as well. What's the next one? The next one is the missional 
disciplines. And these are primary centered on a, on a focus to mission or an action focused life. This is a life that says, I desire a Christian life that engages with the world around me. They're, they're not content without impacting someone else. They want to be involved in evangelism. They want to be involved in missions. There's a call to service. Social issues get their motor going. They're looking for strategic giving. They're very outward oriented. All of us know people who are like that. All of us have some of us, some part of us that's like all of these. The one may not be our primary motive. But there are some that's like, we got to be outside. We got to be doing. We got to be about the work. And that's their primary way of spiritual discipline and engaging and experiencing God. So a couple of verses on that. Um, Jesus said this. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. The primary word that the missional person hears is go. Go. If we're not going, we can't do the rest. You know, there's a scene, and I'm not going to read the whole scripture, but there's a scene in Matthew um, in Matthew 25, when he calls the sheep and the goats, and he says to the sheep, you, you've, you've visited those in prison. You've, you've taken care of the sick. You've, um, uh, I'm gonna actually have it right here, so I'll make sure I don't miss any. You, you've clothed the naked. You've visited those, uh, said to visit the prison and the sick. You've done these things. And he says, come in to my pleasure. Come into your eternal reward. And then he turns to the goats and said, you didn't visit. You didn't take care of the sick. You didn't clothe. You didn't do these things. And, and uh, uh, somebody has made an interesting observation between these two. The only difference between the sheep and the goats, according to this verse, the only difference is what they did or didn't do. That calling to action. So these are missional disciplines. And there are some of us who are wired that way. The fourth one is relational primarily centered on relationships in fellowship. And I'm using that word fellowship very specifically. I'm not using the word community because community uh, is optional. I can choose to be a part of a community or not. Fellowship, according to the Bible, means this. And I will look at the scripture in a second. I have entered into the fellowship of the Father, meaning the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The divine fellowship of the Godhead, I have entered into that, which means I am now automatically connected to all of the others in the body of Christ. And there is a call to live that out. Now, some of us are pre-wired for that. We, we pursue regular opportunities to gather, like Sunday morning. We enjoy, there's this sense of unity when we celebrate, or when we have an opportunity to have someone we can confess to, to grow and mature through mentoring. We seek out mentoring relationships or discipleship relationships. We really feel connected in connect groups or small groups, like men's group, women's ministry, these types of things. We're, we're, we're driven in that direction, and we see that. That as a spiritual, and it is a spiritual discipline, a means of growth in him. So I love this verse from the Apostle John. He says, that which we have seen and heard, we also proclaim to you. We've seen something. We've heard something. What have we seen and heard? So that you too may have fellowship with us. This desire for fellowship, to connect with others. 
What is it they heard? And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. There is this unity in the divine community. We've seen it. We've heard it. And we've experienced it, we've tasted it, we've joined into it, and we want you to join too. And there are many of us, our hearts are wired for that fellowship. Hebrews says, let us not, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting meeting together as is the habit of some and encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Why would some neglect? Because some of us aren't naturally wired that way, though we're all called to be that way. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And he's what he's talking about is love in the body. It's not that we don't love outside. We do. But he's specifically addressing loving one another, which means we have to be relating to do it. All right. So how do we live these things out? Um. Discipline, spiritual disciplines. I love this quote here by, uh, uh, from five things effective leaders can do. You can do to lead effectively. Discipline is a choice. It's not dictated by feelings or circumstances. So even though I may be leaning in a direction, that doesn't mean I'm just following my feelings. I still have to choose to apply spiritual disciplines in my life. They are a means to an end. It is a vehicle through which desire is realized. Desire, uh, discipline enables us to accomplish goals and fulfill dreams. Do you hear that? The goals and dreams we have are made of applying these disciplines in our life. You see, goals and dreams just don't happen. It's not good enough to say, you know, one day I'd like to. That's not a goal and a dream. It's, it's saying, okay, I desire to fully experience all that God has. So today I'm going to. Make the choice to begin to apply these things. Uh, There's a natural flow of life that's downward. It's a universal law that life moves from chaos to decay. Who agrees with that? Anybody? I mean, okay, I'll put it this way. If you don't spend time cultivating your garden, what happens? Weeds accumulate and flowers die. Anybody have a garden? You don't have to raise your hand. Anybody have a garden like, anybody else have a garden like that? If you don't take care of your house, the paint peels, the windows stick, and the woods rot, and the wood rots. Well, neglecting your spiritual life does the same thing. Neglecting your spiritual life does the same thing. See, God intends that these disciplines of the spiritual life are for ordinary human beings, for people who have jobs, who care for children, and who must wash the dishes and mow the lawns. This is not, quote-unquote, super-Christian stuff. It's about the person has to get up every day, has a schedule to run, has to pay the bills, has to take care of the house, has to figure out the problems in life. It's exactly by these that we're enabled to do that in him. All right, I'm going to keep going on. So I asked this question here, so I'm going to ask it again. Which of these, maybe one or two, resonates with you the most? Ask yourself to answer that question to yourself. Which way do you lean? Okay, and this is this is this is how you develop spiritual disciplines in your life. You develop them not by looking at all the areas you're weak. You develop them by starting where you're strong. And as you do that and you begin to light in the Lord, then you begin to bring in the other areas. 
You start with how God wired you and you grow from that place. Like if I started with the intellectual, I would, I would then study the emotional, the missional and the other and say, okay, in studying these, how can I bring those in? Or if I started with the emotional, I may then, I may then say, hey, how can I share this with someone else relationally? You see, I start with how God wired me and then I grow from there. Number two, um, we have to guard against pride and envy and this is huge. We have to guard against pride and envy. Pride will make you judgmental about the focus of others. Man, we need to be out the door. What do you mean you want to have fellowship? Man, you need to study the Bible. What do you mean you want to sing a song? We Pride will lead us to be judgmental about the way God has wired others. Pride will then keep you from engaging the discipline that you're most natural to. I mean, it will keep you to only engaging that one. I should have said it wrong. It'll keep you only there. Well, this is, this is how I'm wired. This is all I'm going to do. So we need to guard against pride. But number two, we need to guard against envy. What does envy do? Envy keeps you from appreciating the way God made you. I wish I was like so-and-so. I wish I could study the way you study. Or I wish I could worship the way you worship. Or I wish I could evangelize the way you were. And we become envious about the way other people are. And we don't appreciate how God made us. And that causes us then to despise us and then not even operate in what he's given us. Because we don't appreciate it. So we have to guard against both pride and envy. What's next? We need to practice these things every day. We need to make these a part of our lives every day. That's how they develop in our lives, by doing them every day. Joshua said this, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. It's that daily practice, that daily getting this in my life, the daily working these disciplines that little by little chisels that mind that needs to get renewed, that heart that has to have an attitude change. Let's keep going. How do we practice these every day? I'm going to give us a few things uh, on how we practice these every day. Number one, if you're not already practicing spiritual disciplines, start with 10 minutes. Start with 15 minutes. Don't say, man, you know, Lord, I'm real. I got to do this. And then think I'm going to do an hour and a half tomorrow. Don't do that. Now, if you're already practicing spiritual disciplines, look for an area where you can spend 10 minutes on something different. If you're already engaged or geared in a certain way and it's already a part of your life, find 10 minutes where you can bring something else in. But find that 10 minutes, find that 15 minutes where you try a devotional or you look, I'm wired this way. I'm going to start to gear that way in my discipline with him. The number that goes along with that is cut out 10 minutes off of something else. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. I know nobody spends 10 minutes at that. Nobody has 10 minutes they could cut out from that, right? Find, look at your life and say, what are the time wasters? Where is something I can cut out that I can replace? Number three, get in my mind that I need to make better choices. Make that decision that I need to make better choices. And number four, why? This is about doing this for joy and delight. Find the joy and delight in it. All right. Um, So... Other, other ways of how, and this is huge. This is, these are about being Christ-centered. Now, why do I say that? Because most of the time when you hear a talk about disciplines, it's about finding balance, right? I've got to find balance that I read the Bible enough, pray enough, worship enough, evangelize enough. You know, I'm trying to find this balance. 
Wrong. I'm going to give you a different approach. In contrast to aiming for prescribed balance, the key, rather, is to remain focused and centered on what matters most in the Christian life, namely intimacy with God through Jesus. If you keep Jesus as the focus, he will strategically lead you. You know what? I'm overdoing it here with the intellectual. I need to bring the emotional in. I'm overdoing it here. I'm not really studying much. I'm over. And, and if you keep Jesus there, he will lead you and guide you because it's about intimacy with him. Rather than trying to get all of it in, it's about getting him in through them. Amen? Um, Along with that, don't miss the real striving for the ideal. I know nobody here is a perfectionist, right? There's not a perfect. Turn to the person next to you and say, he's not talking about you. <laughs> but don't miss the real striving for ideal. Look, I've got an opportunity to have real fellowship with somebody. But you know what? That real fellowship is going to be less than ideal because they're not going to do everything perfect. I'm not going to do everything perfect. Instead of running from that fellowship, let iron sharp iron and figure out what God wants to do through it. Don't miss the ideal looking for, I mean, don't miss the real looking for the ideal. All right. I love this scripture from Paul. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Weird scripture. You know why that's weird? Because right after it, he says, thank you, Lord. (laughs) Why is he saying thank you after saying he's wretched? Why? So then I serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. What is he saying? I'm not going to miss the real relationship I have with him right now just because I don't do it ideally all the time. I'm going to be thankful, and then that is when he grows by his grace in me. Which takes me to the next one. It's healthy to ask God for help. I love this quote by Foster. God has given us the disciplines of the spiritual life as a means of receiving his grace. God has given us the disciplines of the spiritual life as a means of receiving his grace. How many want the grace of God operating fully and completely in their lives? Do you see what he's saying here? When we practice these disciplines, we have more and more of his grace. It's not about drudgery. It's not about duty. It's about his grace building me like the the, the image of Christ. This is awesome. Next, and we're we're coming down to the close here, is give what you've been given. Give what you've been given. Luke uh, records it this way. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be given back to you. You see... If in my spiritual disciplines, God gives me a word, God lays on my heart to share with someone, I I am being developed and built in him. When I take that and I export it to others, guess what happens? The grace of God grows in my life. Give what you've been given. Give what you've been given. And that closes with this. We're in a community. There's going to be all kinds of different people practicing different spiritual disciplines, living them in different ways, right? Learn from one another. 
Instead of envying and having pride, go to see, you know, I see you're really good in evangelism or you're really good in this. How can I learn from you? How can I draw from you? Building one another up, edifying each other. Um, psychiatrists have wondered for a long time, why is it that some people can go a long time, you know, that, that, that maybe people who, were, who have been addicted to something can go a long time abstaining and then all of a sudden one day fall, whereas others are free. You know what they discovered? They discovered the reason why some fall and some are free is those who fall are abstainers. Those who fall are abstainers. You see, it's not about doing spiritual disciplines because I'm giving something up. I'm abstaining from something. He says, those that continued have found the delight in what, in being free. So as we leave, that's what I want us to consider. Consider the delight in being free in him, in practicing these things. You fail, you fall, get up and do it again. You see, it's a delight for him, not a drudgery, not a duty. So here's the exhortation. Start somewhere and don't get overwhelmed. Start somewhere. And the last thing is, where does God want you to start?